Welcome to Kachika, a podcast that takes you behind the scenes at the Dundas Center for the Performing Arts. Kachika is a production of Ringplay Productions. We're talking with Ricardo Christie, dancer, dance teacher, choreographer, and the person who has been responsible for choreographing a number of um, Ringplay Production shows and Shakespeare in Paradise shows. Welcome, Ricardo. Hello, good afternoon, good evening. It's so good to be a part of this discussion. I'm excited to be here. Now, Ricardo, I'm going to ask you a question that's it's curious for a lot of people, but very few young men growing up get into dance. How did you get into dance and what was the inspiration for you to start dancing? I always like to discuss that because it's so much of what I am and who I am. Um, I remember when I first started, I will never forget, I was actually watching a independent show on the fort, the tattoo, and I saw the coordination, the, the, the dancing that was done at the time. I loved it. And I remember the next day, like trying to go home and trying to actually recreate the whole routine. And that was when I realized that I have the thing for dance. And then having done that, I sought out where I should go. And of course, I ended up with Miss Shirley Halbass. Uh, and of course, you know, being very shy at that time and being concerned about what people would think, the first thing I, I was put into was tap dance and gymnastics. That, would, that is what most of the other boys were doing. So, you know, I did that for a while. I loved it. And then I used to sit and watch the ballet classes and the jazz classes after all my classes were done. And then one day, Shirley said, get up, get to the bar, get on the floor, let's do it. And sure enough, after that, it all came very easy, very naturally. And I think even at that point, I wasn't even concerned about what people thought. I just knew that I was in, it felt right, it, it, was, it was working, and I pursued it. And that was my starting point to where I am today. We've had a number of these episodes, but this is the first episode that the name Shirley Hall Bass has come up. And um, I want to talk a little bit about her. Um, I know it's your interview, but you, you and I have both worked with Shirley. Nico knew her quite well. Tell me a little bit something about Miss Bass, because there's a whole generation plus who have no idea who Shirley Hall Bass is. When I was introduced to Miss Bass, Miss Bass had, um, I think, I want to say that this was in her later years that she got me. And I want to say I was, I can honestly say that I feel that I'm one of her last generations of protégés that's left. Mm-hmm. Um, because everybody else, uh, be- she became ill thereafter. So she didn't do as much uh, on-hand work with everybody. But Miss Bass, you know, as you know, she started years ago in the 60s. She was brought here to make the culture flourish, right? I guess, through teaching and bringing a different style. After that, she opened her own school and in opening her own school, she brought about a more theatrical side of what she wanted to do. Like at the National, I want to say it was more concentrated on dance, but with her school, we were taught to dance, we were taught to sing, we had to do many different styles of dancing. And, you know, her school was called Bahamas Dance Theater. So with that being under her umbrella, we did our shows more or less in, they were like mini Broadway shows. Like we did a, a Bahamian version of Peter Pan, a Bahamian version of Cinderella, uh, Alice in Wonderland, all these things that encompasses, you know, more than just dance, but acting and singing. And even you, I have a friend of mine, he's a musician, he's a drummer, and he started out as a tap dancer, believe it or not. And so that was something that, 
you know, he found rhythm in itself and he found other things to be interested in per- pertaining to music. Right. So um, she, she was very instrumental. And not only did she teach dance, but she taught discipline and, uh, and professionalism and, and how to live responsibly. And I, I think it's so, it's so funny that so much of what she's taught me, maybe 30% of it is dance and the rest is just being the greatest artist you can ever possibly be. Right. I mean, I worked with her, not as a dancer, of course, but as a pit singer, mm-hmm. because um, I go back with Shirley in the early, in the mid 70s, working on a show that um, she did at Le Cabaret called Black Magic. And she would, of course, go back to Chicago every year. And did you ever do any of those exchanges with her school in Chicago? Oh, yes, we did. Um, I did several of them. I, the first one I did was way back in, <laughs> way back for me, way back in <laughs> 1994. Um, and, you know, part of the cultural exchange was um, not only just bringing kids over to participate in a dance program, but it also it was about learning about each other's culture. Um, so the first time I went, I went over to Chicago. I stayed with a friend of mine. And not only did we do the program that Shirley had set, but him being in a dance program in a high school, I also got to participate in those things and, 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 and do those type of extracurricular activities. So not only now am I learning about the culture of, the, of, of America or the United States, but I'm learning about how is it in another country, black male dancers are recognized, they're respected, they're, giving up, they're given opportunities and, and, and it's a whole world. So again, that cultural exchange program further opened up my eyes as to what kind of possibilities can be present for a young uh, male dancer. Even after that, many years back and forth, he would come here, I would go there, even not with the organized uh, workshop that Shirley would do. We would just on our own, you know, participate in different workshops around the country. So that was very instrumental for me. Now, one of the things that Shirley was famous for was touting her students and she always you know like I remember when Tap Dance Kid was on Broadway and Savian Glover was the star and she would always talk about how Savian was her boy you know um, there were certain groups of people who were always very much in in the spotlight for Shirley you know so I would assume that by the time as you were there. You were one of those Shirley, Shirley's kids. Yes. I mean, that, that's so funny because, you know, I, in, in going, after we started going back and forth to Chicago, um, there was even a time when my roommate, who I would stay with over there, he would have gone off to college. And so she was like, well, you know, I'm doing my show. You need to come to Chicago. You're going to stay with me and Ralph. Who, Ralph was her husband at the time. Right. Uh, rest his soul. And you know, once I guess once you've been inducted into the family and you're staying at the house, pretty much you are part of that Shirley Hall boss, Mama Cool, Papa Cool family. <laughs> and I, I welcomed that experience because at that time, like I said, she was getting up in years and I didn't realize she was making to almost like investing in me because she would take me up there to learn the material for what the Chicago kids would be doing, learn material from what other dance choreographers are doing come back into Nassau, and when it was time to do the show, I'm teaching this material to, you know, 
the kids or the younger kids. So right. I didn't realize at the time, but it was an investment to me. I was just having a blast. But yeah. that is the way, you know, we got inducted into the family, I would say. Two of my first cousins used to dance with Shirley, but we're going back to the 1973 Independence Show. You're listening to Kachika, a podcast that takes you behind the scenes at the Dundas Center for the Performing Arts. Moving on from Shirley, where do you go next? You know, you get to a certain age and you want to dance, you want to perform. And especially after you come from these workshops, you see these other people doing so many things, you want to perform. So the first, the only opportunity we had at the time were the ho- the shows in the hotels. And of course, Shirley was very adamant about her dancers working in the hotels, mainly because, you know, the, things had changed so much from when they did the shows in the Playboy era. People go by the wayside or, you know, if they're not brought up in the right environment or they don't get the right structure, you know, that nightlife can kind of corrupt you. So she was very, 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 very particular and very, very cautious about her dances going. But I told her I was going and she said, you know, she sat me down. She said, be careful. Make sure you continue your classes, know where your home is. And by home, she meant her dance school. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that that was the next step. So I did that for a while. And then in doing that, um, I still wanted more. So I was going to school in the day. I was dancing at night. I also worked in the bank in the day, knowing that I needed to have something to fall back on. So that's why I always wanted to have an open, you know, spectrum of what I want to do with my life. And then after that, of course, I went to World Caribbean for 12 years. And that in itself was a an experience that even surpassed the dance world. You know, you're working on a ship, you're doing what you love, you're surrounded by like-minded artists and all from different walks of life. You have 50 nationalities on one vessel. How did Royal Caribbean come about? First of all, like the last thing I wanted to do was work on a cruise ship because again, not knowing, a lot of people would look down at cruise entertainment being watchy and, you know, just very amateur um but i said you know what after so many things that happened in my life and you know the shows had closed nothing was happening in nassau i went to fall Lauderdale, and i said you know what i'm just gonna go on some auditions i went to audition for disney bush gardens um carnival i think at the time and a lot of them me with my naivety didn't realize that if you're working on land as an entertainer there needs to be some sort of legality visa thing again no one told me but you know as as simple as that may seem i didn't know so luckily Mm -hmm. um i had some friends working with royal caribbean uh giovanni wilkinson he was there before me um and so he put a word in and i got an audition and then it took off you know and i always would say that you know it's it's so easy because they're looking for men they're looking for male dancers and if i think we had a bunch of male dancers that were in classes at the time world world caribbean would hire a whole bunch of them because after that we had um another guy takio moss and alex stirrup they both went through world caribbean and then went to other cruise industries to continue you know and dance so i i i want to say the fact that there's an opportunity makes it more uh, easy for people to want to commit to being a dancer. Where did the choreography start? Well, they do, um, most of their stuff is done out of 
at the time it was in Hollywood, Florida. They have a huge uh, production rehearsal studio. It houses like six different rooms and you have six different vocal rooms. And so basically the shows are recreated. They've, 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 you know, they've been created some time ago, but every time there is a new cast going onto the ship, the entire cast meets at the rehearsal studio. They learn the show, sometimes, two, sometimes four shows, sometimes two shows, depending on the itinerary of the ship. And then they send everything, one complete package on board. It takes a week for them to put it up, light, relight it, refit the costumes and everything. And it's a press play and go. Yeah, well, I guess more specifically, my question is, when did you start choreographing? Oh, when did I start? Oh, well, I had started choreography and, 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 and choreographing from the time when I was with Shirley because, you know, when she, when she was ill, I remember one year we had to do uh, a show and we were like three weeks before opening and half the show hadn't been choreographed because at the time Ms. Bass was so ill, no one was taking the bull by the horns and saying, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I'm like, well, we have to realize that she's not well. And so that's when I had to say, you know what? What are we going to do? Let me see if I can dig in my head what this music is supposed to be, what was done in Chicago, you know, and just, just put it together. So that was a catalyst for me to really have my choreography or choreographing debut because I had no choice but to do it to make the show go on. I think that was probably something that even pushed me further into being more interested in uh, choreographing and directing dance in that way. Did you then get to do any of that with Royal Caribbean? Usually they would they would have Christmas shows or even special events. And because I was dance captain, or which is really like a dance supervisor for the cast, you're also responsible for, you know, choreography if there needs to be a special event or a holiday event. Uh, moreover, like the Christmas shows, we have to do like a 55-minute Christmas spectacular. And that entails choreography, even some musical direction, arrangement, um, costuming, everything that, that, that pertains to putting an actual show together, you have to call upon your experience because that's why you got the job. Right. So they expect you to have it done and have it done professionally. And so that's when, again, all of my Shoei Ho Bass intuition came into play. And I'm like, all right, here's what we got to do. And it was good. After Royal Caribbean, you come back to Nassau? Yes, after Royal, I came back to Nassau. It was like a bittersweet because I, I left Royal Caribbean and they didn't want me to go, but I said, you know, I think now is the time. Let me give back to the community and give my service to my country. And it went well for, for a while, you know, having been involved and in, I, I was teaching at basically all of the dance schools, uh, National, Yodafi, Live to Dance or, or, or Just Dance, Bahamas, that's what it's now called. Uh, I taught with Robert, I taught with Gabriella, you know, so I was on the right road to really getting it all, fulfilling my purpose. And then of course, COVID happened, everything closed down. Well, before COVID, let's, let's, let's talk about a, a subject that might be a little touchy, mm -hmm. National Dance School. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very, very unfortunate. And, um, I think this is just some, the, the National Dance School is a treasure and a lot of people 
a lot of people realize how good it is for the youth because not only does it spin off dancers, it still spins off people in different directions as artists. You know, I always believe dance is, is, is not just ballet, one, two, three. There's so much that you have to do with your, your mind and your body. Um, and the fact that we have not been able to make this flourish by means, I guess, of the government not supporting it or just not happening, it's, it's, it's a sad, sad tale. And I really hope that maybe somewhere along the line, people can be put in place to continue to make it flourish as it's supposed to, as it was designed to. Because right now in this generation, you know, it, it, it's needed. I mean, our culture is dwindling and we can't allow that to happen. Yeah, so now before COVID even came around, mm -hmm. you were at the dance school. Yes. And the foolishness that was going on at the time that actually propelled you to go back to the ship and COVID is really what stopped you from working <laughs> right. on the ship, right? That was the job you had before you decided okay, enough of this, I need to go make a living. That's very true. Like I, in, they, were, they didn't open um, September of last year, the, the regular school year, due to excuses of the building not being up to par or uh, they don't know who's responsible for the lease, the lease is not gonna be renewed. There were a lot of, um, in my opinion, very poor excuses. These types of excuses should not even be valid. I mean, I had even, for example, if the building was a problem, I even put together a proposal and said, okay, well, how can we look at different options to see how, whether we can use the schools in the afternoon to still continue this after school program. And everything just got shut down, shut down, shut down all the way until January, still nothing happened. And then obviously COVID happened. By December, I had said, you know what? I got to move on. I really got to go try and make a living. And that's when I went back to the cruise industry on a different company altogether, where they offered me the opportunity to be the lead in a, a show that's on Broadway. So they took the show, readapted it to fit the cruise ship. And I said, well, you know, this is the opportunity that I've been waiting for for a lifetime. It's not Broadway, but it's close enough. And it was a tap dance show. After Midnight is the name of the show. And we were well on our way. I mean, it was an amazing contract. It didn't last, obviously, because of COVID, but, but it, it, it went well for the time that it did, and so it's, it's unfortunate that it didn't continue. You're listening to Kachika, a podcast that takes you behind the scenes at the Dundas Center for the Performing Arts. So now, in between all of this, we've left out a whole big section. And that is Shakespeare in Paradise. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I first knew your choreography seeing one of Robert Bain's dance shows. Right. And I had understood that he had choreographed a number in there. And I saw that show, and it was my favorite number in the show. And so we started to talk about the first show we were working on was Once on This Island. And I remember having a discussion with Adrian, and we were talking about, you know, who are we going to bring in? And um, I think it was Nello Lambert who said to me, why don't you touch base with Ricardo? And when I mentioned to Adrian, Adrian said, yes, excellent idea. So I didn't know you. Um, I only knew your name. And I know we had a meeting at the Dundas for a little while. But so let's start with the first show that you actually worked on with us. And that was Once on this Island. Tell me about that experience. 
Well, first of all, I want to say I'm very flattered that you you thought that my number was was one of the best ones. I I, I appreciate that because it was it was it was a good experience to work with that with those uh, kids. So when we came to um, once on this island, first of all, again being a being a part of, of Shakespeare in Paradise, I was I was more than excited because you know it's now stepping outside of the norm dance world here in the Bahamas. Now you're going into the, the, the Dundas veterans, the Shakespeare's in paradise. You know, now you're part of that family. So I was very excited. Once on this island, I would admit that I was a little bit intimidated merely because it had been done before. But of course, that's, that's a, I, I embraced that challenge. And it was so much fun because I think when you can work with non-dancers and make them do things that 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 agrees to what your concept is visually, like I think that's that's when you know it, that you've done your part and 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 it looks good. So that was like a very I, I love that experience because again, like I said, I can make regular people look like dancers. So that was that mm -hmm. was. Good. So the next thing we move on to is the real thing. Yes, I would go home. And every night I would redo in my head what I did. Because obviously, you know, only thing we had to work with was a script. So I, every night I went home and I said, oh, you know, what did I just do? Because I'm very spontaneous. And when I, I kind of have to go with the movement and the feeling. And of course, with your direction, I was like, did I do it right? You know, so everything I, I did in my head and when I came back, I fixed it. But that process alone, I mean, that was such an interesting and, and it, it makes me say, oh, because it's so good. It's so good to be a part of a process where you, you work from scratch. You see, it's almost like giving birth, I guess. I mean, it's fun making the baby and then giving birth is painful, but yet you see it, it's beautiful. So, yeah. I mean, the thing about those shows is, you know, this, it's such a team effort. A lot of the same people had been involved. And before we get on to the last one, you also did some work with, Nico's production, her revival of the Colored Girls, didn't you? Yes, I worked with a couple of the girls, um, uh, and again, it's it's you know, it's this thing where your your creativity is really put to the test, and you have to work with people who are said, non-said dancers, you know, and it, it's almost like, yeah, it's it, you're telling a story, you're telling a story with your body. You may not know how to do certain movement that may look like a dancer is doing it, but if you put your emotions into it and you put your feeling into it, you should be surprised how the audience will receive it. So that whole thing, that tapping into that um, realness of what how movement should be, I, I, I love doing it. It's amazing. All right, and then the last show we've worked on together was Amos Behaven. Now, Amos Behaven, again, you know, it's for me, I'm the type of person where I never like to carbon copy. So I didn't watch any of the show. I listened to it. I watched the sh I didn't watch the show until the very, very end. And it's just so funny that I think that we were on the, when I say I think, I I'm pretty sure that we were on the same page, me and whoever did it originally, on the same page choreographically, but everyone has their, their style and their flair. But I, I was glad that I was able to be in the same um, mindset. And, and I, what, we, what we put together, I, I think, I only wish we could have 
done it again and we had a longer time to, to perform it because it was it was so good. The talent that we had to work with, you know, they are some of the best that we have on the island. And I, it, it was so much joy that people can just take your information and take your idea and make it theirs and create magic. There are one or two people who who are who are in these casts who have some dance experience. I think specifically of somebody like Sam in The Real Thing. But by and large, how do you feel that process is when you're working with, with people who themselves claim that they aren't dancers? And then at the end of the day, they look like dancers. I mean, they're, they're getting the stuff across. They're doing the thing. And nobody is sitting there going... These people, you can't call them dancers. What is that sort of working with that like? Well, see, that is why working with, with Shakespeare in, in Paradise was such a breath of fresh air at the time, because in teaching, in teaching young people, you know, um, they learn the technique, they learn the, the style, what the body should be doing, the point your feet, you know, the, the, the um, ribcage, all this stuff they know. But the difference between an adult that who hasn't had dance training and a young child is that an adult can relate to an emotion better than a child. And as a creative, a creative person or a choreographer, when you can easily ask someone to give something a little bit more feeling to make the movement look a certain way, that is a little bit more priceless than doing a dance routine or they're having the exact pointed toe and all the technique in line, but there is zero zero emotion like it's almost like you're not giving the the, the art it's it's service um so yeah i mean it's it's good that kids can have technique but i find adults obviously can relate easier to finding an emotion and making it come alive through the movement you see based on those three musicals i don't think there's anybody who would think that anya was not a dancer well exactly exactly <laughs> she, she has had I think with Anya specifically, she has had some movement training, but you know, you know, she she has this talent, she has this spirit where, you know, if you actually stand up and just be a tree, that tree you you can't keep your eyes off of that tree just because the the, the energy is beaming from her body. I think in each one of those shows, she's had like a real solo number that has yeah. really been, you know, like especially going back to um, Once on this Island, that We Dance number mm -hmm. was a, a major piece of, of, of dancing. Well, you know, I really, really would like that our people, or even our culture would look at, that we won't separate them. You don't, you, this, this shouldn't be, oh, I only dance, oh, I only sing, oh, I only right. act. You know, the world is moving in a direction where you, you have to be triple threat. I think it started with a chorus line because basically before a chorus line, you had the chorus, mm -hmm. you had the dance team, and you had the stars. You had three different sets of people who, when you put on a Broadway show, you had a very huge cast because there was a dance company and a, sing and a, and a, and a singing group, and then you had these leads. And I think by the time as a chorus line came around, everybody had to sing, dance, and act. And from that point to now, you're not cast in a show if you're not able to do those three things. Exactly. I, I feel as though we, are, we have so many talented people here in the Bahamas. We don't even know. But, you know, if, we just need to provide an avenue, you know, an avenue for them to, 
be good in dance or maybe not so good in singing or be good at, some, at something else and be better in the next. But right now we have nothing. And, and this is the part where, you know, it gets really sad because Anya, I'm not going to talk about her age, but obviously she's older and like she's the last of a dying breed of mm-hmm. people who can really be a triple threat. And if right. they're out there, no one knows because we can't see them. What do you look for? I mean, what is your dream, I should say, for dance in this country what do you what do you think we need to be able to get i mean i know there's a very low group of male dancers i think you know i will i look at robert's last last time i saw a show of his he had one male dancer and um so that that is difficult um shirley used to be the company that had many males but she had a whole she had two sets of people she had those who were dancers and those who were acrobats yeah. And those who did tap, you know, she really separated it. And there were people who did, you know, certain things. You had Bud Cambridge and you had people like that who were, and Ralph and those people who were, who were, the, you know, doing twirls and jumping and, and, and flipping. And then, you know, you had other people who did like Keith Wisdom, who did stuff mm-hmm. for more of the acting standpoint of it. So what do you look, I mean, where do we go from here? Well, you know, the sad thing about it is I would like, to use her school or the way she started her school as a mold. Um, but, you know, right now we have a lot of dance schools that are out there and we don't have enough students. Um, that's why I feel like if the National Dance School was in a place that can offer kids the opportunity that may not have the money but have the talent, that is the only way that we can move forward in terms of reaching the kids and somehow create a mold like Shirley did to bring the boys in. Everyone doesn't have to be a ballet dancer, jazz dancer, but right now we need to introduce them to the art form so that they're not afraid by it. They're not intimidated by what people say. You know, it is an expression. So don't, don't let it put you into a box. You know, I, I, I feel as though if we have an avenue to bring the kids back in and then restructure the way we're going to reach the kids. I think we're up. I think we could be on the right track because again, we could even branch off into, you know, a, 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 a more cultural or ethnic style for one group, the more balletic style for another group. Now maybe we can do a gymnast style and all these avenues can afford kids the opportunity to further education or their, their knowledge outside of the Bahamas, and then hopefully they will come back. And that's the only way it's going to continue. We teach them, like Shirley did, you have to always, she said, you always have to give back. So if we teach them, give them the information, tell them to go and learn more, then come back and do the same thing, that's the only way the cycle will continue. And right now, with us not having a space or an avenue or location to do any of that, everything is at a standstill. Would you say your passion is more in teaching and, or in choreography? Um, I have to, that's a, that's a 50, 50. I okay. want to pick both. I, I, I can't even separate the two because even when I choreograph, sometimes I have to teach, I have to know how to tell the person what to do with their body in order to make it look right. And in doing that, that's your teaching, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of choreographers, they say, you know, I'm not here to teach you. You need to pick up the move and they go have a cigarette and come back. You got it yet? No. Right. So I'm that person where I, I don't mind the teaching part that's involved in choreographing. Good. Well, this has been a great talk. Um, 
we're hopeful that at some point when this foolishness is over, you know, we'll all be back working on creative, creative things. You know, we are getting ready to release the video where people can see your work in um, the Real Thing musical coming up in October. And yeah. um, that was that was such a fun show to work on. Um, and hopefully, you know, sometime before long, <laughs> we're, we're back to a point where everybody's creating and back on stage. But it's been a great uh, opportunity talking to you and uh, look forward to working together again. Yes, definitely. You know, I, you know, you're the godfather of, 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 of things. So I always, whenever you talk, I sit, listen, and I, yes, sir, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so, but thank you. Thank you again for including me in this. I'm very honored. No, no problem. Take care, man. All right. Thank you. You All too. Right. You've been listening to Kachika, a podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the Dundas Center for the Performing Arts, a production of Ringplay Productions. This has been a conversation with Ricardo Christine, Philip A. Burroughs, and Nicolette Gasol.